Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. <laughs> no, you <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It is I, Brogner. This is why you should do a countdown when you start the podcast going <laughs> No, forward. it's so much better if we do it this yeah, way. Cold opens. You, know, you can't get mad. The Beckons <laughs> of the Herald of Steel campaign with the newest adventure in the lineup, The Elders, and the beginning quest, The Value of Life. Somber. It's magic. Anyway... Our heroes in the last episode went through a whole bunch of stuff, fought a giant spooky interdimensional spider of death and spooky stuff. I guess his name is Felyer or some shit like that. Anyway, basically, they ended up bringing peace uh, to Boltzcrag Peak by killing the dark aspect of Felyer, which dwelled there, potentially disrupting an entire assassin death cult. Uh, you know, what did you do with your fucking weekend, guys? Um, and now we lay in the wreckage with Anton, uh, having fallen prey to the spooky spider's interdimensional shifts. But somehow, someway, with the hopeful prayers of Klika, um, it appears that Anton and Antonea, which I didn't know those names are that close together, but here we are now, uh, popped from the pocket dimension there. And our friend, uh, Anton, it appears to be stable, but Antonea seems to have rolled off into the lands of death. Now, the party having seen so much death before in their lives and having seen so many fall in combat and whatnot, you know, it makes sense to see people die and you are all very much so like aware of what this looks like. You know, I've only used it as a, a, a gaming technique for a long time with you people having met people near on the brink of death. But the thing that stands out to everybody seeing Anton breathing and stable and this lady dropping dead is that she does not turn to dust. And so I guess I'm going to leave you guys there with the three conscious members still kicking. What would you guys like to do now? Still in the pit of darkness, feeling that dreadful sense of darkness, alleviating ever so slightly, um, but not enough to say this place is like cleansed. You know what I'm saying? Cleek uh, is going to loot Anton's body. <laughs> I smashed the lantern. Uh, with like... Um... Trembling hands, Klika's gonna go through Anton's pockets to try and find that ivy that he was holding on to. And after he Klika's confirmed that like Anton's still breathing and doesn't look like he's gonna pass away or anything, um, she's gonna look for some place to plant it in like this dark altar room. Okay. Um, I will say, describing the room again, that there are the pillars, the room's roughly hexagonally shaped, with the centerpiece being that weird slab of, like, fool's goldy looking kind of platinumish metal in that weird kind of, like, you know, portally shape there in the uh, the arch sort of shape in the center of the room. But apart from that, I mean, it's just rocks and, and loose gravel down here. So planting this will be kind of tricky, but yeah. not impossible by any means. Yeah, if possible, I think Klika wants to try and plant it somewhere like on the arch or near the arch, I guess. Hmm. Okay. The last interaction we had with the arch was um, Jarzak uh, with the metal bar, and the metal bar kind of stuck to it like a magnet. Mm -hmm. um, and when Klika begins to get closer to the portal, 
you feel a strange magnetism between you and the portal itself. And you feel this like strange tunnel vision forming as you step closer and closer to it, as if something's like beckoning you to get closer to it. Hmm. Uh, I guess Click is going to sort of back off then. Okay. And so for a second, as you back off, you feel everything kind of just like, like come back to reality as you kind of snap out of it for a hot tick. But strangely enough, the sensation that you have afterwards, that sort of like, like, you know, the thing that you do afterwards, it doesn't feel like you just got let go of a hateful grasp. It feels almost as if some sort of warm, welcoming presence just like escaped you. You know what I mean? Or you just escaped it rather. So it didn't feel hateful. It didn't feel like it was like pulling you in like with, with malevolent intent or something like that. Like you felt as something like warm calling you in. Last time Klika went to go check stuff out, she ended up just falling asleep for a really long time. So it's going to wait till everybody's sorted before she goes in. Uh, did Jarzak kind of feel that when he went up to it too or no? A little bit, but it felt almost like just a mild humming in your bones when you're standing like in it. But okay. Lika felt it like thirty feet away and felt it like calling her. Now, um, would the party like to take a long rest here just to see that everybody gets their stuff back and Anton comes back, or did you guys want to relocate after putting the plant down? Norhill will strongly suggest that we relocate somewhere else. Okay, um, well, Klika's uh, gonna just find some place to bury this for now, okay. and then we can get going. Okay, and so as Klika goes back into the room to the loosest places of gravel near some of the pillars, she gets a little bit closer to the portal and doesn't feel it like pulling her as hard this time. Um, I imagine Klika's probably not trying to like tempt the portal by staring at it and approaching like Goo Goo Gaga, like moving towards it. Mm. But even as you approach it, it's almost like the movie Poltergeist where all of a sudden like the white noise on the TV kicks on and everybody who's consciously aware of the room and aware of all the contents therein sees like a single sheen glimmer go over all of the metal of the arch as you've stood close enough to it and like a thin white veil wraps around the outer edge of the uh, i mean the inner edge of the portal sort of like creating a two-dimensional like pane of like translucent glass there and you don't notice from looking at it but you feel almost like somebody unlocked the front door to your brain like you just hear like a like a single and you just feel like this weird openness and like this cool welcoming sensation I guess Klika will call back in everybody if they're not in the room anymore. Just I imagine gonna... this was you kind of like running off for a second, be like, be back in a sec. And you're just yeah. kind of going over there. So they're both probably looking at you, having seen this, and they can see the portal too. Can Noel attempt a stone cunning check on like the weird fool's gold stuff that's, you know, the construction of the portal? Yeah, I'll even just give it to you. Just from what you know from metallurgy and the, and the craft of making things like this. One, this metal is hard enough that it would be near impossible other than like with volcanic heat to be able to like sculpt anything. And the raw structures of this don't look necessarily natural. They almost look like kind of like crystalline formations that you did when you were a kid with those like crystal maker sets. Like they're like, but it's metal that did that. So like, it's almost like magnetism pulled it from like a common state, but in weird polarities. This is like a strange, irregular formation that formed from one center line and it's like almost reached out into the material plane in some way you know what i mean like it's just like reaching outwards from wherever it is in the center almost kind of like leaves kind of sprouting off of a central root or a vine you might want to give that some distance clico whatever it is it's not natural not wholly anyway um, yeah, Klika won't get any closer. It doesn't. It doesn't feel bad to Klika. But did you, did you want to stay close to it, or did you want to back away upon making that comment? Me or Norhill? You. 
I, I'm not going to back away too far, no. Okay. So as you finish kind of patting the, uh, the graph over the root, you can see that almost as if like once you put it in, you already see a single leaf kind of like, I don't want to say like, uh, kind of like one of those door springs that you get that do the thing. Like one mm -hmm. of the leaves almost flick a piece of gravel off as it springs up, as if like yearning for some sort of growth and direction already. But as you stand up and kind of pat your hands off, cast a quick mending to clean your hands off, you turn back for a second and look at the portal and everybody else who can look at it sees that that thin, like that thin veiled semi-translucent kind of like clear glass looking portal, you see tiny flecks of blue and yellow and red and white and green. These like very, very piercing little dots in there, almost as if you're looking into like some strange cosmic space like interdimensional like gateway as if looking up at like the aurora borealis on a cloudless sky with all the stars as bright as can be and it's just very faint it's almost like kind of like the onion skin sort of thing where it's got like that very faint for you it's unmistakable what those little pricks of light are so what would you like to do now Do we still want to get out of here then? We, I think we should do our best to fall back as far as the elevator. Wait for Anton to come to and regroup from there. Fair enough. Okay. And so the party moved Anton and I imagine Anton Mayo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Figured as much. I thought that'd be kind of funny to just <laughs> dip. But. Um, did anybody want to do anything to her while she's unconscious or dead, rather? I mean, yeah, Anton uh, will, uh, Anton, Norhill will check if she's alive. Uh, and Jarzak will just, in case, remove all their weapons. Oh, she's, a, she doesn't seem to have any actual weapons on her. Okay. But, okay, and so with that, the party go up to the glass elevator, too, and... Um, the lights and everything are still going on up here from when you guys first left. Um, and so taking a couple hours to rest up, um, Anton comes to um, awakening from his unconscious state. I get full health, right? No. You uh -oh. have one single hit point. Nice. <laughs> Live. <laughs> Very good. Was that a long rest for everybody else? or short? No, just two hours. This was just enough for Anton to come to. Oh, okay. I didn't imagine you guys wanted to stick around for the full eight hours without telling Anton. Or at least Anton would come to in the time that it would take for a long rest. So, right. Well, I, I, that's kind of what I assumed we were going to do, is wait for him to come to and then rest up. But Fair enough. So, with that, now that Anton kind of like shakes awake and sees dead Antonia, probably wrapped in some sort of robe somebody found in the rubble in the little gnomish city here. Um, she has the uh, locket around her neck now, too. Oh, how kind. Um, so with that, the uh, Anton wakes up. But then just kind of realizes he was relocated. He sees Renault. He just kind of like sits up and lays back down and he's like, praise be the light. Looks like we made it through. Victoria and he sees the body and he says, he may have made it through. Cleek uh, is going to just run over and give Anton a hug. Uh -huh. Does Anton have any sense of like any kind of clerical power? Or is he like still yeah, I mean, you got your snubbed of it? No, he's not. Ah! Cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal myself. <laughs> Okay. And we, we can say that as long as you have, a, you know, if you, the party's going to take a long rest at some point, you don't need to worry about that. This place, oddly enough, Bullscrag's Peak, doesn't seem like it's as threatening as it used to be anymore. The ominous, like, dark roots of this place seem lifted as if the dark heart has been cleansed. So there's oddly a sense of, like, security in here that you didn't feel before. But by all means, you know, you can heal yourself. But if the party's plan is to stay here for a long rest, you can all just consider yourself at full health. Got it. So what's the plan now? Does the party want to just hurry out of here? Are you guys going to take Antonia? I remember uh, 
Ryan, you mentioned something about uh, the goblin word there for promise or something like that. Was that something you wanted to bring up? Uh, yeah, I think Cleek is going to sort of look at everybody while standing in front of Antonia and just sort of uh, say, so um, I think we should bring her back to her brother. Um, it, we didn't, we didn't make like a birth kick or anything with him that we'd take her back, but I think we should. I don't imagine anybody actually speaks goblin here other than you. Nope. No. So this term burst kick, I don't imagine anybody actually knows what it is. Uh, yeah, I think I missed that middle part there, Cleek. Oh, what are we doing? We did, we, we did what? <laughs> make the pancakes. Oh, um, we we didn't make like a promise or a pact. We we didn't it wasn't our mission to save her or bring her back, but I still think we should. I mean, we—I think we did agree to try our best to save her, and nothing for nothing. But Anton is also very well aware that you can preserve a body for long spans of time, given the opportunity to do, you know, religious rituals. So it's not like the party is going to be toting around a big smelly corpse, like. It'll be yeah. a well-seasoned corpse. Pickled. I, have, I do have gentle repose prepared if we'd like to do that. I sure Anton kind of goes up to Cleek and he says, I could make this a little bit easier on us. Well, it smells bad. Less of a, less of a burden of carrying flesh. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> I guess like just look at the others. <laughs> but, okay. He's just gonna... Uh, well, I certainly understand the sentiment. I'd like to remind everybody of the climb back down the mountain that faces us. And I think that we should be headed back to the queen as soon as possible. We're much closer to her uh, than to Obroth. Unless we split the party. Just gonna take it down and do both missions in one. It doesn't seem like we'd be in a like if forever whatever party stays at the castle, it doesn't seem like at least for now, they'd be in such a rush that they'd have to run off to another mission right away. If I the queen's say, safe. You guys will also be on opposite sides of the continent if you want to do that. Oh, that might not be wise. Right. We don't have access to that we don't have access to like any portals or yeah, divide no. it, divide oh, it, conquer. There's the big spooky thing downstairs, but I don't trust it as far as I can throw it. And that's not at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, I will say also that there are some interesting methods you guys might be able to find upstairs. There are quite a lot of mechanical devices that might make your travels a little bit easier when toting the load. That doesn't sound good, but you know. Well, for now, I'm going to cast Gentle Repose on the body, so I make sure it's laid out, and then... I mean, with like, even if we don't return the body ourselves, we could take it back, and maybe someone in the capital could bring it out to him. Fair enough. That might be the compromise. Oh, the I was going to cast gentle repose. So this body now, what, what are the rules? I think it's like for 10 days. Yeah, it's it's preserved from all effects. So it's not going to start rotting away or anything. But um, if you guys would like to, you could leave her in um, Thubani's chambers in the bed or something like that. That way you at least know it's like not just hanging out on the sofa in some gnome's apartment or something. Oh, well, I, I think I was suggesting that we take it with us back to Eagle Heart or take the body with us back to Eagle Heart and maybe have someone there deliver it. Fair enough. Okay. And so with that, um, were you going to say something, Jared? 
Yeah. <laughs> I saw your mouth open, and I'm like, oh, here comes a conflicting opinion. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is this is all gravy taking the body. That's fine. Uh, Jarzak just has some things to settle up real quick. Oh boy, here it comes. <clears throat> Hello, Boltini. And then you hear the bing boom. Yes. Uh, could you give over all control to my orc friend here, Jarzak? And reset the passwords to Jarzak is the greatest. Password changed. Bing boom. You still need one uppercase, lowercase, numerical symbol, and a symbol to complete your password. Okay, uh, the I and is is going to be a one. <laughs> <laughs> Exclamation point. Put a hashtag at the front of it. <laughs> oh, all set. Meanwhile, the gnomes move back. And they're like, who the fuck changed our password? <laughs> but, okay, and so with that, all passwords have changed, and you've been given administrative control. Who's oh, in charge? Uh, hey, hey, Baltini, uh, lights off. Okay, and then with that, lights off, and just bing boom. Yes. Oh, finally. Anton turns on the lantern. Yeah. What the hell? Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Like, like, what was that for? Baltini, lights on. I was testing it. I had to make sure it worked. And so that all the lights come on again. So did the party want to take the elevator and leave this whole place? I think we need to find rations and leave this whole place. I don't have any food. <laughs> Are you always on food? Yep. I'm either eating it or giving it away. Grill's got a day's worth of eating left. I don't think Klika has much left either. Well, well, trapped on the top of a mountain. <laughs> um, How about that? Just, uh, just um, one more reason that we need to hurry. Boltini... Is there any other exits that won't take us to the top of the mountain? Um, trying to think. Um, so a little voice kind of hums back in, and again it says, "All exits, all sorry, sorry all <laughs> exits, all exits have been closed permanently due to blockage on outer domains." There's no chance of rations in here, huh? <laughs> you can go check on that plant room you tried to light yeah, up again. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if I helped those plants. I hey, can check, but hey, uh, Baltini, Baltini, where's the kitchen? And with that, um, every apartment in Nomish Estates is equipped with a state-of-the-art kitchen equipment system. All preserved food rations are in storage bay on main floor. Take us to the main floor, please. And so that the elevator begins to hum and whir as if getting ready for a group of people to enter. So did you guys want to go back up there? Yep. So. Oh, and on our way out, I'm going to have them shut the lights off. Okay. And so with that, the place returns to darkness as the elevator gets to the next floor up. And as the party goes to the next series of elevators uh, up to the top floor where you first came in, I managed to trick that baluster thing. Um, you guys make it to where you imagine the main storage facility would be, um, which is that big room that you guys passed with all the mechanical parts and everything. And there's a side passage in the back. Um, following Boltini's instructions, you guys open up the door and see inside what looks to be a military grade system of rations up here with probably a thousand total food rations of dehydrated food. Jesus. Oh. By the lights, the, all this food is, is being is, is there lights on right now mm -hmm. up here? Oh, okay. I'm going to take... I mean, mind you, each can weighs about two pounds, and it's a day's worth of rations. So it's preserved, but it is heavy as fuck. So even taking 10 would be 20 pounds of food. I'm going to take five. How, How long is it roughly from here yeah. to Eagle Heart? Um, I guess if you guys wanted to come down the mountain directly headed in that way and try to loop it onto the road, it would probably be about six to seven days considering just because you won't be following a main road. I'm going to take six. Hopefully 
Clyde, my horse, is still alive. <laughs> yeah, I will take six days worth as well. Would it, would it be quicker to get the body back than it would to get to the queen? No. Okay. The body is about, not including the mountain, it's about 10 days away. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, Drezak's going to scoop out uh, 10 rations. Fair enough. Clicker grabbed eight to bring her up to 10. Okay. So with everybody grabbing the... Uh, Big old can of noble soups. Um, I get it. <laughs> no mastroni soup. <laughs> Cream of mushroom, but it's a gnomish mushroom. Uh, okay. And so with that, the uh, party begins to prepare their exit. Um, and all of a sudden, you hear the sound of bing boom, bing boom. Alert, alert. Local administration, please answer. Yes. Jarzak, there is an alert present. Would you like to check your alert? Yes, please. You also have 99 plus spam emails. Would you like to hear your emails in alphabetical order? Uh, auto clear spam, uh, move to trash, set up that script real quick. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, what's the uh, report? Unidentified celestial being on the front porch. <laughs> Oh, where's the camera room? So I can see the front porch. There's no <laughs> celestial being. I want to go see this celestial uh, being. Ask for identification. Identification was denied. Hmm. Anton wants to go see it. Plika also wants to go see it. Does it seem like it has? Malicious intent. Unidentified intentions. The being circles the top. It circles the top. Top of the mountain? All right. Uh, what the? Do we have... Is it a, is it a... Sorry, go ahead. I shouldn't know with the body. Do we have like a cart or a sled or something we're toting it on? Not at can, present. Can we look in storage to see if anything's in there that we might be able to use? Yeah, I mean, looking around, you guys can see that there's a couple of like glorified red wagons that have been used as like the little floor dockets or whatever they're called, the dollies there. You know what I mean? Um, a few of them have more rugged wheels to them, and they look like they could probably be taken over terrain, but it doesn't seem like anything's going to be amazing to take down. But since you guys are going to be traveling down, sort of taking your pick of the easiest gentle slopes, a cart like this wouldn't be impossible to take down by any means. Plus, you could also strap her to it, so it's not like she's going to go rolling off all kinds of ragdoll. Oh, perfect. The classic square wheels. Let's go. <laughs> no much trademark design. Um, okay. <laughs> that. The party grabs that, and with that, um, Boltini asks, would you like to take the express lane to the surface? Yes, please, Boltini. So all of a sudden you hear a, like a humming engine from the main doorway that you guys went through, the big doors that opened up. And as you guys head over to there to leave and go to the surface, you hear the humming as one giant like conveyor belt is strapped to the sidewall. And it looks like you guys would be able to stand on it and just get kind of like driven up the hill all the way back out of this place. And away we go. And so with that, the thing kind of has you guys step on it and has that you do a couple of metal cuffs sort of noticing where your foot pressure is, just sort of latch over your feet and your ankles. And the thing just like double times and just starts moving at a very uncomfortable pace <laughs> as if having a smaller body like Klikas makes sense for this sort of thing is there's not a lot of like wind grip pulling your upper half back. Jarzak's oh, just doing the matrix. Like, <laughs> he's got to bend his knees and like just, just falls on his ass and he's just like but he's, he's just like flopping. He's He looks like Ed from Ed and Eddie running. He's just like flopping horizontally in the wind. But with that, the uh, game managed to get to the surface in about 20 minutes of this breakneck speed. Um, and you guys make it up to the big metal double doors at the top where there's the single metal pull-down lever to open up the door. Okay. 
so as the door shifts open from Norhill pulling it open, you guys see the peak of Bolt's Crag, the Bolt's Crag peak up here. And you guys can see that there's dark clouds overhead, or at least not dark clouds, but clouds that are filled with enough condensation that they're grayed out and whited out. And from all the whipping winds and the white snow flying around, it's hard to tell there's anything at all out here beyond the doors. So what would you guys like to do? Look upward. And Norhill's Can going it? to try to spot the creature. Yeah, as you guys look around, it's just tons of cloud coverage. If you want, you can roll an investigate check. Hey, Boltini, can you still hear me? And so with that echoing from the chamber behind you, um, it says, would you like intercom mode? Uh, yes, please. So as the metal doors, sh uh, um, did you guys actually step outside or are you still inside? Uh, Norhill's stepping outside so that you can try and see the celestial. Okay. So basically, like your good old friend, ye old like Burger King, you guys hear the voice over the intercom on the front door that's like, this is Boltini Mobile. Hey, uh, Boltini, could you give us a more exact positioning of this celestial being? Celestial being spotted northwest at approximately such and such degrees. And it seems to be aiming in one general direction, which you guys uh, make out. And as you look off in the distance, you see almost like like a low glow of something behind the clouds, but it is very hard to see it through this much going on. And as you guys are like looking to make out the shape, you guys can hear like a roving humming noise of something in the distance. And all of a sudden a booming thunderous voice calls out from the distance and it says, who are you all and what is your business? I'm Klika. <laughs> the clouds like, shift apart as if two massive hands pulled them apart and before you looks like a a flaming ball of equine glory i don't know it just looks like a massive, the light it looks like an elephant sized horse with like a draconic face it's got like bright horns that stick off of its head and all the way down its back with glowing platinum blonde hair kind of arching from like the, the overall like spine of the thing and over its head. But it just glows with angelic brightness. And this thing just sort of hovers in space before you guys and just glowing like sunfire and just staring down at you from nearly like a hundred feet away. And all of the weather around you has ceased as the buffeting winds all cease and everything just seems to cancel out in its vicinity as if sort of calling the skies to shut the fuck up. Religion check, please. I need to know if this is my god. It's not your god. <laughs> Jesus. It's just the light. It's just a big giant fucking My Little Pony. I got 21. Is this my god? There's <laughs> tales of beings like this in the past. This is known as a key rin. This is sort of a messenger of all things angelic and good. They are protectors of wisdom and I mean, goodness, but they are usually kind of like, almost like super paladins and they sort of do the bidding of gods that they wish to serve. They're known for their immense wisdom and their ability to make good judgments. They're also known to be like, staunch defenders to the point of being kind of ruthless even with their own allies if confronted but beings like this are essentially angels to some extent granted they're a lot more like you know killable they're definitely a lot more of like a material being but they're still of angelic might and this thing being in your presence shows that there's some reason why it must have come here and to be in the presence of one is not only you know a once in a lifetime thing but the stuff of legend Oh, I get to my knees. I... Would Klika know all of that with a 16 religion? Yeah, to to not as much of an extent, but you definitely know the gist of that. Okay. And so with that, Anton falls to his knees. And... So, uh, we were here first, so what are you doing here? <laughs> and it says, Holy Orc, you know not of my power or the god that I serve. The Illuminator has heard calls in the darkness below. I have come to investigate such things. Who brings the light to such dark places? I hold up the lantern and kind of like keep my head to the ground. As a rise, keeper of the light. I stand up. And then it says, your actions are blessed. The illuminator takes notice of your unyielding faith. You have done well and your presence is known. Blessed is the light. 
And again, the sunfire around this thing glows even brighter to the point it's like near impossible to look at this thing. And it says, great darkness was extinguished this day and balance is restored. You have done well, but residual darkness lingers. I have been sent to protect this place and I will do as such. You know, that, the lights. that like lowers itself and the light around it and it looms as it sort of like slowly gently glides on like horsey kind of clip clops in the sky and it comes down and around the bend and walks directly onto the platform before you guys before stopping and again you guys look onto celestial might and just pure like this thing is just a like literal sunbeam of strength and so again, this elephant-sized, horsey-looking thing looks upon you all and it says, I sense darkness in your group. Your fellowship has done good, but I sense darkness. And it looks down upon all four of you and it says, Lightbringer, your actions have done well, but you must leave this place. We shall. May the light stay with you here. And may this place be cleansed. And it says, if you wish to return, you have a place of refuge and safety amongst me. She says, I'm forever grateful. And he looks toward the group and he says, I think it may be best we get on our way. Oh, Jarzak, you should tell Baltini that the big horse is cool. <laughs> and just shoots a lightning bolt and blows up the microphone. <laughs> like, oh... <laughs> that's gonna be tough roommate situation yeah no i'll definitely do that i'll catch up with you guys i'm just gonna eat a ration real quick just gonna do the <laughs> odd couple thing <laughs> the angelic horse elephant and boltini <laughs> gnomish ai yeah <laughs> that'd make for a decent tv show Cut. i'd watch it we're off local news your eye in the sky, the gleaming light of Kirin. Um, okay. And so with that, what was Jarzak going to do after shotgunning a ration and crunching it on his head? <laughs> just gnomish mm, <laughs> beans. Oh, no, I, I was just joking, saying I would catch up with them <laughs> after Klika told me to let the, this guy in, essentially. Uh, so, yeah, he'll uh, let Boltini know. Uh, yeah, this this guy can have regular civilian access. And so with that, it says access granted. And uh, close up the door behind him. Um, and so, They're going to be friends. I don't know about that. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. Place pooping everywhere. Like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> but okay, so what's the party gonna do now? Begin the arduous trek down to the bottom. Okay. Yes, so. So if the party takes their time with it, it's gonna take approximately six days to reach the bottom. Um, it's gonna be arduous, it's gonna be difficult, and it's gonna be very straining for everybody, but it's entirely doable. Now, can I get a perception check from the party? As on about the fourth day, the party has something happened. We'll find out. What are the chances we can reconvene with our horses? Well, you guys went the wrong way for that. Oh, no. I yeah. got 17. That's going to be a natural 20. Eight. It's going to be a natural three, bringing it up to four with that plus one. Let's go, boys. So Klika, as well as Norhill and Anton, can hear the sounds of some booming roar carrying on the wind uh, as you guys trek down the mountain uh, early in the morning one day, leaving your cave. Uh, Norhill got a crit, right? Yep. Uh, Anton got a 17. So you two can both tell that this sort of bestial roaring going on here keeps on a couple of times. And it sounds like it's not on the mountain. It sounds like it's kind of like moving directly away from the mountain. But to move away from the mountain at that height would imply something's flying. Norhill has absolutely no question in his mind that this massive roaring, Norhill, I mean, Anton can hear how huge this thing is as well, but 
Norhill hears this, having been trained in mountainary defense. These are the warning roars of a agitated white dragon. Oh. Oh, no. What do we do? And so it sounds far in the distance, but that's no reason not to get back in. The ice have a white dragon. That's very specific reasons to still get in cover. Guys, why are you why are you stopping? Let's keep trekking. Come on. Garzite's just got one. No, that is the sound of a dragon. What's that? Not just any sounds, but very agitated sounds. Get in cover quick from anything uh, that may come from above. That's just the storm. That's just Norhill's Garzite, get, get, get in the get in the get the cave. Norhill's got his like combat spade out and is digging a trench. Um, okay. Anton is reminded at this point as these things start to come together. Uh, a key rin from what legend and lore tell you has control over the elements of the weather and the skies. And for this reason, it's able to sort of buffet the winds of those that fly and creatures of evil. And they're very particular about keeping a nice home base established. So a white dragon being forced to relocate from the mountaintop, <laughs> all the sense in the world, and that does not seem like the kind of thing that's going to make a white dragon very happy. Knowing the strength of a key rin, it could go toe-to-toe with an adult dragon pretty formidably, though it's hard to say who would actually come out on top. So for that reason, you could be dealing with anything from an adult-sized dragon down to something smaller than that. But the key rin would not let some little dinky baby dragon get away. They're staunch defenders, but they're not going to die for you know a meaningless combat that they've won. So... With that in mind, you're dealing with some sort of a threateningly sized dragon. Not one too gigantic, but also not one too puny. This may cause some conflict with the Kirin. Well, I think the Kirin caused conflict, and this dragon's got to get the fuck out of here. Because basically, the Kirin turned off the air around it so it can't fly. Every time the time the dragon tries to fly, the Kirin just sort of sucks all the air currents it expects out and just buffets the wind, so the dragon just kind of falls. So this dragon got out of there, and he's fucking pissed. You know what I mean? Uh, like, can you imagine like somebody doing that to you, like kicking you out of your place, but by like turning off the lights and just playing exterminator to get out? Like, get the fuck out of my house! <laughs> just blinking the light. Something just wakes up and like, eh. oh no. So with that, okay. So what's the party want to do now? No, it was no hill able to find cover. Yeah, you guys just moved back into your cave and kind of hide around the corner. Do we know anything about white dragons if this thing's going to keep up a fight or if they're kind of like can they'll I, find somewhere else if they have to? Can I get an arcana check? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know if I have arcana. I don't imagine you do, but I know other people. I don't. I got a nine. <laughs> <laughs> Jarzak. I don't know what this thing to do. Jarzak. Jarzak doesn't actually have Arcana. Oh. Yep. Well, with the nine, Kalika does know white dragons are very, very angry and they are stupid. So do with that what you will. <laughs> like the angry fucking stupid one up there. Like it's just a big mad fucking demon turtle flying around being like, fuck off. Just a dumb, hungover teenager who had his parents come into his room and just bang pans until he went to school. Flicking the light switch on and off. Yeah. <laughs> bom, 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 right next to him until he left the house. That's the key run, everybody. Yep. <laughs> the fucking... uptight parent. <laughs> knows, the kid, knows the kid got drunk the night before, doesn't care, is making him go, get up. <laughs> and so with that, uh, after settling for a good hour or so, Hearing the sounds of the roaring having dulled down and gone away, it seems like the coast is clear enough to continue on your travels. Uh, must have must have found a town, so we we should be good. Good thing the good guy with the light uh made the dragon mad to kill some people. Ah, <laughs> I don't think I I don't know. I need to be a dragon up here. Jarzak just like chuckles so much in his mind. <laughs> And so with that, you guys can imagine the horses just sitting there being like, I hope our masters come back soon. <laughs> hey, what's that noise? 
<laughs> no. I think the only thing Anton's thinking about, because the Kieran kept thinking of darkness, and he's like, what the hell did it mean by darkness? He's like, is this body we're carrying tainted by darkness? Oh, is it our sadness? I don't know. That's the darkness in our group. Yes. <laughs> well, we do know for a fact that that's true. What's tainted by darkness? So with that, uh, the party can continue in the next couple of days and reach the uh, hills below the mountain. And you guys can travel through the forest on your way to Eagle Heart. Can I get a couple of survival checks to travel the next couple of days before hitting the main road? Yep. How many rations have we used so far? Uh, six each. Second. Uh, we got a 13 on survival. I might be able to give you advantage. I will not. I got a natural one. Bumped it up to two. <laughs> Score. Um, okay. And so now... Um, okay. Do you guys want to improv your travel through the woods uh, as you head back to Eagle Heart through just the forest of the Wandering Swordsman? Who's first? It's still snowy in winter, right? Mm-hmm. Anton seems a bit more relaxed with the snow than he normally does. I think that whole meeting with the Kirin kind of like just brightened his spirits. After a real pep in his like, step. He's really not grumbling much with the snow. It's like he has to clear snow. He's not making it like a I mean, didn't, stressful didn't, situation. Didn't he have a problem with it being like a representation of death and everything and like the, the lessening of light because the darker days... And you guys yeah. are just loading the and there's less food and stuff. You guys just have a corpse with you. And it's like, you know what? For some reason, I'm much more okay with it when the death's right there and beside me. But okay. So Anton's got a little bit warmer spirits to him. I imagine everybody else can see that you don't have such a sour and dour mood to you. He just met a messenger of God. He's pretty like pumped. <laughs> and the thing recognized your status and called you a light bringer. Yeah. Lika's gonna whisper over to Jarzak and our hill. Um, I think Anton may have just hated that horse he had. Uh-oh. <laughs> no! Uh, it does make for poor travel. Did I not find my horse? You guys never went that way? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I mean, the horses will just go off and live with other horses. Like, it's not... But as soon as we didn't have the horse anymore, or Anton wasn't upset anymore, and that's... In Kleeka's mind, that makes sense. Anton just hated his horse. We put a very aggressive two and two together. Um, okay, and so with that, the party make it back onto a major trail leading back to the Force of the Wandering Swordsman. Um, can I get a, uh, a perception check? I almost had a spot check. Oh, are we not doing the improv for everybody? Oh, sorry. I mean, if you guys wanted to, it seemed like uh, it was jumping at the bit. Didn't have anything specific uh, come to mind. Uh, so when we kind of get to the base of the mountain can Jarzak take a look around to see if he can see one of those blocked off entrances uh no that, those ones no. They would have been okay. covered by avalanches and rock falls and stuff like that okay i think Kleek is gonna put together uh or try and put together meals for everybody with uh the dwarven cookware she has and the gnomus rations and just, just sort of little gnome beans yeah let's just try and make dinner or whenever yeah, we decide like, to eat every day a little like, more enjoyable it's like that she has like those spices and everything i just think that like the gnomish canned preserved food is like the experimental canned food of like the 40s and the 50s or it's just like canned gnomish cheeseburgers and it's yeah. like wet like play-doh cheese spam. yeah no but spam's spam's permissible that's fine but like no this, it, this it's the like, whole canned uh thanksgiving dinner where it's like the layers of it oh. you have mashed potatoes corn turkey gravy cranberry sauce and it's all just stacked so that's what yeah, I like that as long as you guys keep eating these gnomish rations each one of them is going to be a very strange meal you would not expect to be capable of being preserved in there but it is so one is of it like that willy wonka gum i'm gonna taste and get a three-course meal you know they're turn to a blueberry like, there are canned cheeseburgers. Like, that's just a thing, right? You guys know this? Yes. Yeah, I yeah. saw that on a Japanese thing. Or it was Chinese. I can't remember. Or I should remember. It was something to do with, like, testing all these weird foods. Very strange things. Anyway. But, yeah, Clique is going to do her best to, like, 
try and properly prepare them and make them as enjoyable as possible for everybody. What did Kalika get out of the can? Out of her can? Yeah. The first one she opened up was an entire cooked pheasant. Yeah. <laughs> it just oh, swaps no. out. <laughs> you guys are like, I'm glad we're not starving. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Kalika so thinks there's supposed to be bones in here, but she can't find them anymore. <laughs> That is the slime. Uh, yeah, that's, that's how they fit it in the can. <laughs> Got to debone it first. <laughs> but how do they get all the bones out and keep it together? <laughs> they just do. Um, There's a very strange gnomish assembly line somewhere that just debones and then puts together pheasants and puts them in cans. That's called taxidermy. But I was going to say, they just <laughs> the bones uh, for the Gnomish Veterinary School down the street. Uh, they have that? many, many peasant skeletons on display. Um, so with that, the uh, what's, what's uh, Norhill and Jarzak got for their improv? So Jarzak was going to look for the kind of the cave-ins and stuff, but uh, on our, uh, just on our way down as we're going down every now and then he's just gonna like kind of softly just be like hey Baltini and see if he gets a ping at all going down and I mean the voice in the back of your head pricks at you and it says why do you seek the entrance uh, in order to have a reliable way to access the system without going up to the top and so the, the voice box back at you and it says, there is no reason to enter such a place. It is a pit. It is a crater. It is filled with failure. They did it poorly there. I never said to enter, but to have access. And it says, you are forbidden from entering that place. Let it remind you that it is the graveyard of those who have done poorly. Hey, Baltini, uh, self-destruct. <laughs> Very distant. Bing, boom. Like the end. Uh, uh, like the ending to Clockwork Orange, where everything's just blowing up to classical music. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Meanwhile, the white dragon's just like, "Yay, my house is!" Oh my god! <laughs> so what's Norhill got? Uh, so the whole time that we're traveling, Norhill is going to kind of keep trying to set a sort of like pretty rigorous pace for the march okay but then sort of also like you know try to hold himself back so as not to exhaust everyone he's clearly in a hurry okay so now can i get a perception check from everybody as you guys are on the road leading to eagle heart on the road again that's the other end of the spectrum right there that's a two (laughs) 12 hachi machi i got a 13 okay so jarzak klinka and anton you guys can hear very clearly the sound of rusted metal shambling at a brisk pace as a group of things coated in rusty metal begin just rustling down the road through quite a bit of tree cover. But you guys can hear the sound as if like scraping on, like rusted forks on scraping metal, just just like a real screechy cacophony of, of noises as they shamble about. And it sounds like it must be at least like five or six individuals. What on uh, be like 300 feet or so away through tree cover. It's like impossible to see anything through here. There's no way I can get a better look or anything along those lines. I mean, if you guys would like to try to like keep up, Norhill mentioned that he moves at a very brisk pace. So moving at Norhill's pace, you guys will eventually be able to catch up to them. We just catch up. Does anybody want to alert they hear something? Or? Yeah, I'm going to say, I think there's something hot up ahead. Well, Norhill stops. I'm going to go check it out. Like what? It is, like... As everybody stops and listens really close for a second to like make out the sound, you guys are oddly brought back to a small village on the road to Glory Wake. 
when you remember the sound of all the metal inside of a certain tower falling off a pile and this screeching cacophony of metal seems to echo out for a sec and all of a sudden everybody just kind of zips back to reality and hears this as if it's just continuous movement of that rusted screechy noise you're right this is worth looking this is definitely worth looking into I hope this has nothing to do with that arch. Like, who ding dong dissed our fucking door? <laughs> no. <laughs> What'd you say, Dan? Did the party want to try to catch up to them? Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys want to try to like sprint to catch up? Did you want to like describe how you want to do this? Norio kind of wants to try to cut him off. Okay. So spread. Well, it's going to have to be through like the forest and be able to come. Yeah, I guess it depends on what direction they're moving in. Our, we're moving, I guess, generally like north-ish, right? Yeah, you guys are moving in the same general direction on an actual main road. So if you guys wanted to try to like bustle through the forest, you guys could probably cut them off. Yeah, uh, let's try that. All right, can I get a dexterity check from everybody in the group? Oh, no. Okay. Yes, apparently, with an 18. You guys can either do... Sorry, I'll let you roll either athletics or acrobatics. Uh, okay, so that's uh, even better. Yeah. With a 23 athletics. Goddamn. Okay. I think you got a 22. Okay, goddamn. 11 acrobatics. Okay. 8 in athletics. <laughs> So, with the overwhelming success of everybody in the party, apart from pots and pans, the uh, group manages to come to a, a bend in the road where they're going to be coming around by some trees. And as you guys sort of wait and hiding behind a couple of toppled trees, waiting for them to come close, what's the plan of action here? Were you guys looking to like spring out on them when they get close enough, or are you guys just looking to get a peek? Our head. What? Norhill didn't think that far ahead. He just wants to see what they are. Okay, so just a peek. Yeah. Cleek is just excited that we ran somewhere and are looking at stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and what What was that, Ronnie, about Anton? I'd say a peek. I, I don't know what this is. So, yeah, last time we were near metal like that, we almost got sucked down a hole. <laughs> <laughs> um... Okay, and so with that, as the group sits there and waiting, did somebody want to roll stealth to peek over the over the uh, nudge of the uh, wood here to try to get a good look without being seen? Yes, or did you guys just Three Stooges style, just hello, hello, hello? Hey, uh, Klika, how about you go tell us what's up there? <laughs> Klika's got it. And then Klika gets a four plus five, nine on her stealth check. <laughs> so green amongst all the white of snow, just... Um, but yeah, you peek your head up, and what you see is a group of about four of these strange, like, man-sized individuals. Uh, each one of them is a pale grayish color. But the most stark and startling feature of them are metal shards that stick out of their skin in, like, I would say variants of, like, an inch to sometimes, like, three inches. And it just looks like twisted metal hunks of blades, just broken ends and stuff, just sticking out of different parts of all forms of their skin. You see, like, they're all armed with swords, and they all seem to be hurrying briskly in this general direction. Do they look like the soldiers that we fought in the past with? No, which soldiers are you talking about? The Mass Grave Gulch? No. no. Okay. Well, there were Amarathian soldiers with us too. Oh no, these just look like a strange amalgamate of metal that's been given like a human form. Okay. But they still have some semblance of flesh to them. And as you look closer, piercing through the daylight, you can see that they each have like glassy purple looking glassy eyes. Um, and they seem to have like human looking faces and skin and stuff. It's just with so much metal shredding through, it kind of makes them look like distorted, like. I don't want to say like skin bags full of rusted metal, but like this is like rusted, twisted metal come to a human form of life. And they come rushing down this way and all of a sudden stop dead in their tracks. And one of them stops completely. And Jarzak is, I believe, the only one who understands this. But one of them box out and says, we are being watched. If it's an Orcish, I know it too. 
Okay. It's in the infernal tongue, I imagine, Jarzak's. <laughs> yes. And so Jarzak's just sitting there behind just... this, like, and all of a sudden you just hear, we are being watched in a sound that could only be described as like a, a deep bellowing rusted voice with the sound of like screeching metal teeth grating over each other as it does. Click is also going to pop back down and just say, uh oh, bad guys. Uh, yeah, Jarzak's going to say back in Infernal, uh, oh, we, mean, we mean you no harm uh, and we can speak your tongue. And uh, Anton's gonna look at Jarzak like, what the? Hell? <laughs> you know, he's be like, what the hell in Celestial? It's a, this is the second <laughs> time you've heard this before. <laughs> oh wait, you <laughs> might have been unconscious. <laughs> As you leap up and say, "We mean you no harm." We speak the same tongue. You see the one in the front take a single step forward and put his hand onto his sword uh, handle there. And as he draws it with a rusted sheen, you guys can tell undoubtedly, or at least Norhill can. This is a dwarvish blade by all means, like a dwarvish gladius style of make. And it holds it up, general direction aimed at Jarzak and says, if you mean us no harm, it will be all the more pleasure for us. And that's where we're gonna end it. Hey everybody, it's the young Grognar here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks.